following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Welcome to Walk This Way, learning how to understand the will of God. We started last week, and so if you missed it, you can just go right onto our website and uh, download the podcast or listen to it right on the website. In fact, all of our messages are there at uh, crc. explorecrc.com, and uh, you can listen to that uh, wherever you are, wherever you go, at your own leisure. Today, I'm going to go into another aspect of that, but I want to give a brief background on what we did last week, just so you know. We can build upon this. Just a, just a short review. We talked about three aspects of the will of God. The sovereign will of God, which is God's will that he enacts over the universe. He does it on his own. He doesn't need any help. He doesn't ask for any help. God just does what he's going to do. And there's nothing that anybody can do about it. The second aspect is the moral will of God, which is his will written down in the Bible. And God explains his will and what he would like to see accomplished all throughout the scriptures. And you, just, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to seek it out or, or wonder what it is. You can just turn right to those pages and see his will laid out for you in black and white. And then there's a third aspect, which is his personal will, the personal will of God, which is God's intention or his plan, his will for your life, how he like to see your life turn out and uh, the things that he'd like you to follow and to pursue with your own life. It also can be about a specific group of people. So God can have his personal will uh, for our congregation as well. But it's for you Personally, And there's two parts to that, is the perfect will of God and the permissible will of God. And, and very simply, those two things, there are certain things in life that God says, this is my best for you, but there are other options. And so if you want to choose another one, that's fine, as long as it doesn't violate the sovereign will of God or the moral will of God, go ahead, make your own choice. It may not be the best but it's okay. It's not a sinful choice. So you have those two aspects of the personal will of God. And we looked at Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6, and we saw that there's three components to understanding the will of God. If you want to be in God's will and know what to do, know where you're going, then you have to respond in three ways. And very simply, he said, you have to trust God with all of your heart. You gotta trust him. You gotta put your faith in him and trust him that he's good, that he's gonna lead you, he's gonna communicate with you. God is our father. He wants to talk to us. He knows how to talk to us. And so you gotta understand that and trust that when you go to him. The second aspect of that is not to lean on your own expertise or your own wisdom, but to lean on God, to trust him and to lean on not your understanding, but his understanding. And, uh, and the third one is to be in surrender, surrender to God's will. A lot of times we don't want to do what he asks us to do. And so right from the bat, before he even tells us, we've already made up our mind. We sort of look at it like our different options. That God's will is an option A, B, C, or D. And we see that you can't do that with the Lord. When you come to God and say, Lord, lead my life, you need to be willing to obey what he tells you. And so God knows our hearts. He knows how we're going to, to respond. He knows how we think. And if you're going to violate those three things, you're going to disregard that then you simply will not hear what you're supposed to do. 
You're going to be going through life completely blind. You won't know how to make good decisions. You'll continually make bad decisions that don't turn out well because you're violating these principles that he lays out for us on how to know the will of God. So what do you do if you find yourself in that situation where you go, man, I don't have a good track record. I have not been doing that. I've been doing my own thing. I've been really living in disobedience. Am I just stuck? God's never going to lead me or talk to me. What do I do? Or how about this? Say you're brand new to all this and you're just starting out in faith and you say, I don't know how to trust God. I haven't learned how to do that yet. And I don't know how to lean on, on, on God's strength. And I, I, you know, I, all my life I've been doing it on my own. Well, for, if you're in those two categories, then here is the answer for you. I want to give it to you this morning. If those apply to you, then all you have left, the option you have left then, is to seek out wise counsel. Go and seek out wise counsel from someone else, and in that, then God will speak to you through that other person. And uh, so let me let's dig into this a little bit further this morning. But before we do, let me mention this. We've all made really bad decisions before. All of us have. And uh, some of them are hilarious, and some of them are quite painful. So I thought it would be a little bit fun just to take a look at some pictures that represent some very bad decisions. So here's the first one. Some people are just not meant to be on the open road. You know? I mean, that's just probably, that's not a good idea. Second one. Don't you think at some point somebody should have said that's full? That's good enough? You know, this truck holds a thousand pounds. Eight thousand is probably too much. Or at least the guy riding it. You guys better walk. Uh, so that's not going anywhere. How about this one? Uh, I can imagine how this happened. You know, so, oh, cupcake. Wouldn't it be fun if we wore matching sweaters to the Christmas party? Oh, it'll be so cute. Everybody will love it. Not so much. How about this? I love it when people try and defend the shark. You know, well, you know, sharks really aren't mean and they don't bite people. Sharks are a killing machine, okay? A great white shark, 20 feet long, 5,000 pounds, they eat people. If you're going to swim with them, watch out. Don't complain when you lose your arm because you were with the sharks. So there's a story in the Bible that I want to look at that talks about decision-making. And specifically, it's about the nation of Israel and one of their kings and the decision that he has to make that changes the destiny of the nation for many, many, many years. It's in 1 Kings 12. If you have a Bible, you can take a look at it. It's in the Old Testament. We just finished a series on kings and looked at different kings in their lives. If you missed that, you can catch it on the podcast. We're looking at chapter 12, and let me give you some background to this story. What's happening here is King Solomon is getting really, really old. And his son, Rehoboam, is about to be anointed the new king of the nation. And uh, there's another leader in the nation. His name is Jeroboam. And God is not pleased with how Solomon has responded to his will. God asked Solomon, I want you to do these things. I want you to honor me in these ways. And Solomon violated those things. He did his own thing. He he worshipped idols. And so God sent a prophet. His name was Ahijah. 
He said to the prophet, go and speak to Jeroboam and tell him, I'm going to give him the kingdom. Now, I'm not going to take away the whole kingdom from Rehoboam because I want to honor uh, David, his grandfather, honor the line of David. And so the Lord said that uh, Rehoboam would get two parts of the kingdom and uh, then Jeroboam would get all the rest. Ten of the tribes would go with Jeroboam. And so he receives this prophecy from the prophet, and then Rehoboam hears about it. Solomon hears about it. And so he takes off, and he runs away to Egypt to hide, probably afraid that they were going to kill him. Then Solomon dies, and Rehoboam is anointed as the new king. Jeroboam hears about this in Egypt. He decides to come back and uh, return to the kingdom. And so he does that, and that leads us up to this chapter of chapter 12, where we begin. Looking at verses 3 and 4, it says this, The leaders of Israel summoned him, and Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel went to speak to Roboam. Your father was a hard master, they said. Lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us, and then we will be your loyal subjects. And then Rehoboam makes a very wise decision. He obviously learned from his father. And he says to them, Give me three days to think this over, and then I'll get back to you. And then what he does is he they they go away, and Rehoboam goes to the wise advisors in the kingdom. He goes to the men who served under his father. These guys are all old. And they were there when Solomon made all of those decisions. So they got to see firsthand when Solomon made a bad decision, how it affected the kingdom, when he made a good decision, decision, how it affected the kingdom, and saw that whole process. And so all of that experience made them very wise. They knew what they were talking about. They knew how to lead. They had seen it before. And so he goes to them for advice. Very smart decision. Best decision he made as king right there is to go and get wise counsel. Sometimes you just don't know. And sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. And so you need outside help. You're not hearing from God. You don't know what, you know, have you ever prayed and just earnestly prayed? Oh God, oh God, tell me this. And you hear nothing. You know, and so then you resort to bring out the Bible, bring the holy finger, close your eyes, you point to a verse and you hope that it says something good, you know, and it says, go hang yourself or something like that. You know, we get desperate. And so here's Roboam. He's in that place. He seeks their wise advice. This is what they said to him. Verse seven. The older counselors replied. If you are willing to be a servant to those people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. Great piece of advice. Great leaders are servant leaders. People don't want to follow a tyrant or a dictator. They want to follow somebody who serves. Jesus said the key to leadership is serving. He said the Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve. So that's the example that we have. And so they're telling the same thing to Robo. Serve the people. Be a good king. And in return, they will follow you. They'll do everything you ask them to do. And the kingdom will prosper. But Rehoboam thought about it. He thought, you know, I, I, need, I need other advice as well. And so then he makes the critical mistake of his whole life. He goes to get advice from his buddies. He goes to the younger men. These are the guys that grew up with him. He played with them in the kingdom. Uh, they were friends of his. They don't have any experience. None of them have ever led before. They don't know what they're doing, but they're his close buddies. He loves hanging with these guys. They have a lot in common. They, you know, they love Baccarat or whatever they did. I don't know, but they play together. They do this. All his friends. And this is what they say. The young men replied, verses 10 and 11, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I am going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. Really? Scorpions? This is the advice? And so what does he do? Yeah, you guessed it. He disregards the elder advice and goes with the advice of his peers. Jeroboam returns with the leaders. What is your answer, king? And he gives him his little scorpion speech. And you can guess what happened. Complete revolt. The kingdom is torn in half, separated, divided. Jeroboam becomes king over ten tribes, and Rehoboam gets a little, tiny, two tribes kingdom. Now, this is difficult to explain, so I'll do my, the best that I can. I, I, I won't do it perfectly, but in this story, what you're seeing here is the sovereign will of God the moral will of God and the personal will of God all intertwined in the same event. Because if you remember, God said to Ahijah, Jeroboam's going to be king. And he didn't consult anybody for that. That was his sovereign will. He said, I've decided this. Boom, this is going to happen. But then Rehoboam, he had a choice. He chose the wrong choice. He violated the moral will of God because God said all along to the kings, don't put heavy burdens on the people. Don't treat them poorly. Don't put them in slavery. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt, so be a good king. So he's violating God's rules and his moral will. And then you see God's personal will as it's laid out for Jeroboam. So all these things are all happening simultaneously in this one story. Rehoboam's big mistake was taking the advice from the wrong people. Going and seeking advice is what we should do. When we don't hear from God, we should go and seek out advice. Seek the counsel of others. But we need some boundaries here because 
That's not enough. You need to know there are certain kinds of people that we should go to get advice from. So let me give you just a few boundaries that are here. First of all, choose someone who has nothing to lose. You see, all these young guys in the kingdom that are with Roboam, they had everything to lose. They had to tell him exactly what they thought he wanted to hear because their authority was on the line. Their future was on the line. Providing for their families was on the line. If they gave the king the wrong advice or something he didn't want to hear, he might cut them off. He might do away with them and say, you're no longer fit to be my advisor. So they had everything to lose and they told him just what he wanted to hear. So always choose people that have nothing to lose. In other words, you are going to hear the truth from them. Two, choose somebody who is in a place in life that you desire to be. So somebody who you see where they're at in life and that's where you want to be. Often what we do is we go to the people who are no better off than us. You know, they don't know any better than, than we do, but they're our buddies or we're close to them, and so we go to them for advice. But the person who has gone farther than you, they have a roadmap. They're there, and they know how they got there, and they can show you. So all you do is you get with that person, and you say, how did you do it? How did you get this wealth? How did you get this home? How did you get this family? How did you do this? How did you raise your kids so well? I want my kids to turn out like your kids. How did you do that? And they'll tell you. Because they did it, they know how to get there. And so choose somebody that is where you want to be. A lot of times what we do is we just, you know, two, you're sitting in the boat with your fishing buddy, you know, and you say, hey, hey, pal, what do I do about my marriage? You know, and his marriage is just as terrible as yours. And he says, oh, well, you know, you got to let her have it. I mean, put your foot down. You can't let her do that. You tell her, you know, his, his advice is just as terrible as yours. So who you go to really matters. Go to somebody who's farther along. Number three, ask more than one person if you can. Sometimes you can't. You know, some decisions need to be made in such a high level of confidentiality that it's limited who you talk to. But get as many as you can. In Proverbs, wise King Solomon said this, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Talk to several people who are wise, people who are where you want to be, people who know stuff that you don't know. Sometimes you get into a financial situation where you are over your head and you don't know how to make those decisions, but there are people that do who handle that. So you go to them and seek their counsel and their wisdom. And, and number four, remember, remember last week, you have to have a willing heart to receive the advice they give you. I think Roboam had made up his mind already when he went and talked to the wise old advisors. He already knew he didn't want to do that. He already knew he wanted to do what his father did. And so if we don't have a, a heart ready to obey and to accept the advice we're given, then we're not going to get the right advice. Three questions you should ask. You should write these down. These are Especially if you're in the middle of making a big decision right now in your life, 
three great questions to ask somebody you go to advice for. First of all, are any of these options that I'm considering a violation of God's sovereign will or his moral will? Because if the answer comes back, yes, well, then it's simple. Don't do it. Don't do it. I don't care how good it looks on paper. I don't care if the whole world is telling you to do it. If it's a violation of God's laws and his ways, you are going to lose. Don't do it. You know, we like to take the shortcuts, the quick way, you know, the quick method to get rich. Don't violate God's principles or it'll be a disaster. Number two, ask this question. It's a great question. What is the wise thing for me to do? This question helps you separate perfect will from permissible will. You know, because, you know, especially like somebody to marry. I want to, I'm, I'm decide who I'm going to marry this guy or I'm not. And you, you, you ask somebody, you know, what's the wise thing for me to do? I'm so in love. I can't see the clearly what I, you know, what I'm supposed to do. Help me. You know, there are many, 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 many times where I'm sitting down with a couple and I'll say, well, you know, what did you, did you, did you seek out counsel and advice when you made that decision 10 years ago? And they say, no, but I prayed about it. Well, we learned last week, you can pray about it all you want, but if your heart is going to reject the answer, you're not going to get that answer. And so uh, it's important that we ask what's the wisest path because it may be a whole lot better than what is permissible. What God will allow, but down that path is very rough road. Over here, it isn't. Great question. Number three on that is, what would you do if you were me? That's great advice because sometimes we give advice to people that we wouldn't even do ourselves. You know, and you've probably gotten that kind of advice from people where they say, yeah, you should do this. And you're thinking, what? You won't even do that. Why would I do that? If they'll see that it's good for themselves, then it's good for you. What would you do if you were me in this situation? If you follow this, and this is simple. If you follow this, you'll be amazed at how you understand what God's will is for your life. You know, I've been in many situations where I go to people for counsel. And I'll say, I'm, up, I'm facing this very difficult decision and I don't know what to do. And as they open their mouth and they speak to me, it's like I'm hearing the very words of God. Now, they would never say they're speaking, you know, God speaking to you, John. But I knew in my spirit that that was God speaking to me. Because many times, many times, the only way we'll ever know the will of God is by hearing it from someone else. Because we haven't learned how to trust Him fully. We haven't learned how to surrender and be willing to obey. We haven't learned how to lean on Him rather than our own understanding. And so we forfeit that method, and then we have this seeking wise counsel which is left to us. And so God speaks to us. Sometimes, men, I'll tell you, your wife... You know, when she's talking to you, it is God talking to you. Man, you better listen up. 
You be sensitive to that. Listen to that. You know, that is the, that is the mercy of God speaking to you. And oftentimes, the one person on the earth that can speak to us like that is our spouse. And sometimes not. It all depends. But I think you'll be amazed at how this changes your life and how you don't fret over decisions anymore. You know what you do. And when you've come to the end of your own wisdom, you simply go to these other people who have godly wisdom and you hear from God from them. Listen to this. Great leadership is not about making decisions on your own. It's about owning the decision once it's been made. Let me say that again. Great leadership is not about making decisions on your own. It's about owning the decision once it's been made. And a lot of times we think because I'm the head of my household, I should know what to do every time. Or I'm the head of the church, so I should know what to do on every decision. Listen, that is not the case. I, I lead our church with a team. And, and you ask the staff, they will tell you, Many times, decision after decision after decision, it is somebody else's idea on the staff, not mine. But you see, that collective wisdom is so much greater than you'd have in one person. So you don't have to make all the decisions. You're the head of your household. You don't seek out advice, seek out counsel from your spouse. And, you know, occasionally I'll even talk to my kids and say, hey, what do you think about this? You know, see where they're at and what they're thinking and how they're feeling about it. My decision affects them as well. So seek out godly counsel and you'll see a major change in your ability to understand the will of God. So, last week, I gave you some hand signals to help you remember what I taught you. And so, we'll test you, okay? Now, if you weren't here last week, well, this is the ultimate insight. You will never get it, all right? But if you were here, I'm going to do the hand signals. You shout out what they mean, okay? You ready? You understand? I'm going to do the signals. You shout out what it means. All right. Surrender to God's will to hear what he says. All right, that's pretty good. Some of you got that. (laughs) Let me give you one for today, all right? Seek wise counsel. All right? Do that with me, all right? Seek wise counsel. Do this one. Surrender to God so you can hear his voice. So now you have mastered the last two weeks perfectly, right? Next week, I'm going to give you one more. And after four weeks, you'll have four different sets of hand signals. You'll never forget this as long as you live. 20 years from now, you'll be saying to your kids, well, see, you know, you'll, you'll be doing it because you remembered that from this series. Next week, I want to talk about uh, how to discern the will of God. There's this thing in the scriptures that And God will show us how we can discern. And discernment operates on all kinds of levels. Sometimes in our five senses, uh, God will use that to speak to us and discern. So uh, we'll cover that next week. And uh, you don't want to miss it. It'll be uh, great teaching for your life.